This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome on to another episode of Double Tap. It's Thursday, it's the 3rd of August 2023. Coming up today, more of your feedback. Also, a question about betas. Should we all get access to new software betas and driverless car experiences with listener Greg? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, sir. How are you? I'm good. We're doing this a little bit in advance today because... Don't tell I don't like bitch. to lie to people. I'm it could be a lying. Big breaking tech news story. Something could be... No, the wrong one. Uh, there we are. Uh, that breaking. could have happened. <laughs> that could have happened. Thankfully, it didn't. Uh, yes. Well, we don't know. Yeah, exactly, because we're, we're, I'm on my travels at the moment. I am currently travelling. Where are you travelling to? Uh, well, it's, it's all to be revealed next week, you see. Little, oh. uh, little special interview we've got on the show next week. So <gasps> Special? And you got to travel to it? I, well, do you know, I, I think I'm just going to be fed up doing all these interviews over these virtual what, from, platforms. From the comfort of your own home, you mean? Yeah, oh, but yeah sometimes, it must be sometimes it's nice to leave. So I no, thought, it's not. Well, you know, I, I felt that way. I felt it was there was a need... For speed, um. so I decided to use British Rail. So I should be at my destination by at least twenty twenty six. Of course, unless there's any more strikes going on, but yes. who knows? Well, if you're that's not here tomorrow. You'll know why. Very <laughs> intriguing, sir. Very intriguing. Is it Beyonce? Oh yeah, it's, it absolutely. It's Beyonce. Yeah, she she was Could in the, in town, and she thought, hey, I'd love to talk to that guy, Stephen Scott. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. No, it's absolutely not Beyonce. I'm talking to Johnny Depp at the minute. Are you? Yeah. Is that in your mind? No, no, on Facebook. Apparently it is the real Johnny Depp. It says oh, well, in the profile. Does it say the real Johnny Depp on it? Yeah, no, yeah it actually does. Johnny there you Depp. go. Yeah, yeah. He no, apparently like... just needs a gift card for something. So, Well, the good news is he's not on Threads because, uh, uh, oh, no. yeah, Threads isn't going well, is it? It's, uh, yeah, another social network disaster story. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's not be too judgmental here. It's it's early days still. Oh yeah, is it? No, D- down people... by half apparently. Users yes. down by half. Half. Yeah, but it's not see, going well. Yeah, but everyone goes crazy. Oh, look, there's a hundred million people signed up. Isn't this amazing? Well, no, everyone's sort of interested at first. People take a look, they sign up, they take a look, and then it settles back down again. So I, I'm not seeing this <laughs> yeah, as a zero. <laughs> it, it hasn't. It's not zero. Look, I'm not sticking up for it. I, I have no feelings towards it either way. But what I'm saying is, you see these stories where it's, oh, it's it, now the greatest thing ever after you know two days, and then when people naturally walk away from it, it's uh, the worst thing ever. It's too early to tell. Well, maybe, Thank but you. I think the problem is that Twitter is just not going to go away. I, and I, I don't doubt well, it. What's is, that got to do with it? What, what does that? Because that's what, where people are heading. The, the, everyone keeps trying to come up with an alternative to Twitter. Mm. You know, it's like it's like someone invented a wheel, right? And then someone else came along and said, "Hey, do you know what? Let's invent this round thing. We could call it mm, a X. round thing. <laughs> yes. Let's call it X. Yeah. The, and suddenly the, yeah. everyone goes, yeah, whatever. But you know, it's like, but I've already got the, tw- I've already got my wheel. Thank you. It's called Twitter, and I'm quite happy with it. And that'll do fine. Yeah. Okay. I it's agree. a bit of a mess at the moment, but. Ultimately, it will that will probably resolve itself. Well, hmm. well, we'll see. I mean, no, I, no, no. again, I'm not sticking up or condemning Twitter either. I, I have no care towards it. But uh, yes, I think the thing that's missing. I think you're right that you know everyone wants to be the the Twitter replacement. Well, it's not the replacement we need. We want something that offers more, that gives us something new. Maybe no, I don't. I don't agree with I that. What it I don't is. agree with that at all. I don't think people want. That. I think they want more of what they had before, which is just the ability well, to go on to stay on Twitter. Do what they do exactly. That's what they're doing. Proving right. the point. People just all don't. Right. You know, it's like music, right? So in music <sighs> download streaming services, they did a survey of how yes. many songs people listened to, and there was like mm-hmm. I think they they worked out that everybody on average had like seven or eight songs they would always listen to. Occasionally yes. they dip into something else, but more often than not, they would listen to the same songs over and over. That's why radio is so popular. That's why these radio stations that play the hits mm-hmm. are so popular. They play the same songs over and over again, but people like them, so they don't care. Yes, I agree. So you're saying Twitter is what? Our old favourite song? Yeah. Okay. It's, I believe, the same old song as uh, I think the Four Tops once said. Well done. 
Oh, let's see. There always a DJ, Stephen Scott. always a DJ. And if you want ancient <laughs> song references, I'm your guy. Uh, listen, I want to complain today because I'm not happy. I'm not happy oh. with these people who complain about beaters. Honestly, so you see this online all the time. People say, oh, I downloaded a beater and it was rubbish. In that it's voice. a beater. Yeah. Who's complaining about beaters? Every, have you been on social media? Have you no. been on the internet? No. It's disgusting. <laughs> Beside that, uh, people complain a lot. And these people are saying, oh, well, I downloaded the beta and this isn't working and that's not working. I want to suggest to these companies that when you're putting out beta software, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever company it is, if you're putting beta software out there, don't let the public anywhere near it for a, at least a month before it's due to launch. I say a what? month before minimum. Don't give it to the public because I'll tell you what you get. You'll get endless complaints from people who say, well, for the purposes of my research, I'm going to download it in advance and then just complain about it for the next that three months. voice again. Funny voices. Um, yeah, but that's the whole point though, isn't it? I mean, it's the biggest possible testing program that you get people out there to test every single aspect of it and then you get the bugs back and then you fix them before official release. Yeah, but the the, the betas that go out, I mean, let's take the, the iOS 17 beta, right? At yes. the moment, and I don't know when it's changing, I don't know when the public beta actually does come out, but there's a developer beta out there, but a lot of the people that download it are not developers. Yes, and that's not me right to me. And you. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not coming on complaining about it because, look, it is what it is. I know it's a beta. I've made mm. a decision to go on and, and try this thing, but two things are in mind, right? When you sign up to a developer beta, you're actually signing an NDA. You're saying, don't speak about this. And you get all these people coming on and showcasing features and showing all this stuff. Can't do that. You've signed an NDA. Can't talk about it. And then secondly, it's a developer beta. It's for people who are developing the apps. It's not for us to really be complaining about or moaning about at this stage. The public beta, that's a different story because that is for everybody. So what I'm saying is you should only be able to download the public beta if you're, like me, a member of the public. And what I'm saying, Apple, is don't give me the option. Take it away. You should be a registered developer. I know you have to be a registered developer, but then remember this year, they opened it up to everybody. So pretty much anybody could just sign up to be a developer for free. I just don't get the logic behind it. I don't get what they're playing at with that. I don't see the need for it. And it just, to me, causes more problems. must cause them an absolute headache. But they, they want the People like me going, it doesn't work. No, of course it doesn't work. It's like a beta. You, like you. So you're one of those that complain. Well, I don't complain. No, you just said, like me. That's what you said. But people, you no, play that people back? like me could complain. Ah, uh, could complain. I don't yeah. agree. Firstly, the NDA, talking about things in beta. Uh, no, I don't agree with that. As long as it's been talked out and unveiled in public... Such yeah, as the features in the NDA, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, actually, that doesn't matter as long as it's in public. Anyway, you can talk about it. But Apple themselves announced some of these features like check-in or whatever else. So you've got absolutely every right because that's already in the public domain. So that, in that case, NDA. Now, if you're going to come in and, and try and review a beta, then no, you can't do that. But you can talk about the features in there, absolutely, as long as you make it clear that this isn't the final and this could change. There's not a problem with that. And secondly, yeah, I agree. You should never complain about a beta. You are taking the risk, and everyone at this stage should know that betas aren't finished. They are going to contain bugs. That's the whole point. There wasn't, I mean, there was a time when we didn't have the ability to do this. We couldn't do it. You know, you would get, remember the days when you, I mean, particularly with macOS, I remember when the CDs would come out, you would, you know, buy the CD. I, remember, I always remember, I think it was Leopard or Snow Leopard or one of the two of them, and I had to go into the store to buy it. And yes. I was so excited because I was buying it. And of course, at that point, yeah, there might be problems, but they would come through in updates over time. Um, sometimes those updates, I remember they used to get updates through magazines as well. I remember that at that time there was a, like, you used to oh, get yeah. these updates. And nowadays it's, it's just, I think the problem is it's so accessible and so easy. And I know the companies are probably trying to get up and running more quickly. And I absolutely agree if you're a developer, you need access to this stuff in advance. But I just think that... There's a lot of people getting access to betas who, frankly, are consumers who I don't think should have access to it. And I don't even think I should have access to it. I kind of agree with you. I think we should be... I, I get it with the public beta. I understand that. And I, even then, I would do what, like, I mean, look at what Be My Eyes do. I mean, they can do it. I look at other companies who are doing this. You have these yes. groups of beta users. I think that would be much more useful. In fact... Wouldn't that be a better way of doing it? I mean, you imagine, say, the accessibility team at Apple, right? 
say they could have a group of people, trusted testers. Google has this, don't they? They've got their trusted tester program. The people mm. they put products out to, they test them, they, refi- they feedback, and then they get their product. You don't, I mean, I know you do get public versions of Android out there, but I think there's a lot of features that are kept until they are launched, but they're kept to their trusted testers. Is that something that other companies could adopt? Because that, to me, would be much more useful. And actually, it would mean that we actually had more of a say and you know, direct feedback going into these products. So if there's a Braille issue or whatever, it seems almost too widespread. You know, and, and they must get so much feedback. I don't Steven, know how they Steven, know. Steven, Steven, what? Steven, Steven. Am I, really am I to... talking sense to you? Is that the problem? Yes, you are. I really want to disagree with you, but I can't. That makes sense. Honestly, from the company side of things, I suppose, look at the look at some of the comments about the Be My Eyes beta and people really not liking not being able to access it. You mm. know, there has been a little bit of a backlash to that. But look at the and result. I, Yeah, I think as a yeah, it's a total benefit. But I don't think a company like Apple, I don't think they would probably want to risk that. But um, honestly, I can't argue with that. I think you're right. But maybe it's. I mean, okay, on Google's sense, they do have a TalkBack as a separate application, as in it's the Android accessibility suite. So there are things they can do in there, and they'd have the trusted testers check them out beforehand. I'd feel more confident as a user knowing that there was a ton of blind people who were trusted, who were approved as testers checking out this stuff rather than just Joe on the street. Because what I've heard a lot of are, and I've seen a couple of examples of this, where people have gone to a company and they've said, this doesn't work, or it doesn't work in the way I like it to work, or I'd like you to change this. And then the company listened to that. And then what happens is someone else comes along and says, hang on a minute, I like that feature. What are you doing? Why change that? Mm. And it's it's already scattered. I'm seeing a little bit of this start to appear, and these cracks are starting to appear. Where it's, it, you know, and that wasn't, I don't think that was directed at Apple, that particular one, but it was, it was a product or a feature that wasn't quite right as far as this particular person was concerned. Other people disagreed, but because that person got there first, it got changed. Now, can you imagine from the company perspective, you have someone come along and say, this doesn't work for me, and then you have someone else, once they fixed it, or at least as far as they're concerned, have fixed it. Someone else come along and say, "Hey, why did you change that? It was working great for me." Uh, yeah, but that's down to the company. Then no one, no company should jump on the, the, the you know, on but that's one. happening. That's well, happening. No, the, and then the company's doing the wrong thing there. But that's because they, they think that the right thing to do is to respond to that feedback and fix appropriately. It's they to think collate, there's a problem. It's to collate the reports and then work on the problems that have been most widely reported. And to me, it has. It almost needs to be that there's a bit of a rethink needs to happen here. I mean, I know we're kind kind of focusing this more into accessibility, but that's kind of my point about all this. Most of us, especially us blind folk who go and download these betas, the first thing we're doing is diving into voiceover and talkback settings and we're seeing what's new, what's different, you know, what's wrong here, what's fixed here, what can we do here? And yes, we may all be feeding back, but my question is, who at the top is making the decision? And is that decision being led by what I would call maybe a super user panel or something, you know, some kind of group of people who are trusted testers. I'm not saying we have to elect a panel, but there almost has to be a group of people in each company that they go to, that are independent, that they go to, that they trust, to almost look at the feedback and say, now look, this has been classed as an issue. Is it an issue? I mean, how many times must they get things where they say, this isn't working, and it turns out to be user error? And the problem is because, in Apple's case, you might not get a response to ask that question or clarify that. You think, as far as you're concerned, your feedback's been ignored. And that's this is where I think there's a problem here and that maybe they need to think a little bit more about the, the sort of final stage before we get to the fix. Let's actually maybe have a bit of a buffer there. And that buffer be a group of people, not one person, but a group of people who decide together, okay, this is something we need to do. I think there's a lot of people who'd be sign up, who'd happily sign up to that. And, but again, and there's loads of people in our community who, who could do this. Who, who chooses that? Well, I think you have to, at some point, you have to agree that there's groups of people out there who would be more than capable. You could apply for the position or whatever it is. I mean, look, Google do this. Google do this now. And it's clearly working. They're getting oh, response. Yeah, they're getting feedback. Um, I'm not okay. saying it's perfect. It never is, Sean. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Especially Correct. not to everybody. And some people will not like one thing and some people will love another. That's fair enough. But the point is a decision has to be made. But I'd much rather that decision be made in particular with accessibility and in our world, by disabled people. Well, arguably, then the the, the, the onus should be on the in-team 
quality testers, right? Is it a case of cutting down on employment and uh, simply outsourcing it to the general public? Well, that raises another question, doesn't it? Because, of course, I say all this, some would say with my internalised ableism flying high, because, you know, here I am suggesting, you know, we bring people in to do this and will they be paid? And that raises a question of, we just need more blind people working in these businesses. And not just blind people, disabled people generally need to be in these companies. Yeah. But, I do th- but I do think that user panel is important because you get the feedback of real people then. I think that's, I do, that's really valuable. I do, yeah, I do. Right it's now it's too really, scattered. It's an interesting point. Yeah, how widespread it is. It, it becomes unmanageable. Well, it yeah, must be. You imagine managing Apple, all these reports. Yeah. How many people have downloaded the iOS 17 beta? How many people are coming up against challenges? And how many emails is accessibilityapple.com getting? And the question is, if they're getting absolutely swamped by these emails... What bugs in the existing versions of macOS or iPadOS or watchOS or iOS 16, the current versions, are being ignored or being missed because Mm -hmm. there's so much feedback coming in? And I think you could almost temper that a little bit. That's just a thought. What do I know? No, it's a a very good thought, actually. It's, It's interesting. Uh, listen, let's get some voicemails because uh, we're going to be talking today with uh, Greg Hayes. Uh, Greg Hayes is uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. You might remember him talking to us a while back about the subject of driverless cars. Well, today we're resurfacing that conversation. Very interesting chat. Not only did we talk to Greg about his experience of being in a driverless car, get to hear it as well. So that's coming up a bit later. Uh, but uh, to the voicemails, to Darren, first of all. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Um, I thought Julian's article on Android was really brilliant, even though I'm a blind shell user. It might be worth knowing in the future. Thank you very much for that. uh, That's a gem, that is, that article. Secondly, Stephen, regarding and Sean, regarding Narrator versus the NVDA versus JAWS, um, I think we need all three at the moment. Um, I know what you said about JAWS and uh, people saying um, it's needed for businesses, that's true. But I will say that it, I think it, it depends on uh, what, what is needed. If someone who works for a company can get by with Narrator or NVDA, then I think that's a good thing. Sometimes business-to-business things, I think, are far too expensive anyway. I think it seems to be that just because they're a business tool, the price shoots up, and when sometimes it may not need to, that's only in some cases, though. But I think uh, it's horses for courses. If somebody can get by without having jaws and fair play, I think the whole jaws mod business model needs looking at anyway. I think instead of having a purchase price and then having uh, the uh, SMI SMA price, say. Say, for example, to the purchase price, give a ballpoint figure. Say the purchase price is, say, £700, and you pay £150 to £200 for uh, every yearly update. I actually think they probably should get rid of the £700 purchase price, and everyone just pays the one or £200 um, for every upgrade. That way, they would still get uh, um, a revenue stream, albeit not as much, um, and it would open it up for more people to be able to afford it. Um, if you, everyone just paid when they upgraded or for the year, let's say, for example, you start in 2024, you just pay that £200 for your 2024, and then when you have to upgrade for whatever year you upgrade, you just paid it the, the same money or whatever they charge for that year. That's just my opinion anyway. NVDA and narrator, it doesn't apply to. But I think we need all three for the moment anyway. Until next time, this is Darren saying bye for now and thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank you, Darren. I think there's two sides to this particular story. One is the cost aspect of the software itself and then the reality that we do need these different screen readers because, you know, we've all been on a website and something's not worked properly. And we've often said, you and I have done this many a time. Hey, try it with yep. Narrator or try it with NVDA. Mm-hmm. And then it works. You think, wow, okay. Yeah. So you can see the value there. The cost thing, that's a bit different, I think. Um, 
in what way? The thing with Jules, it's that price structure has always been there. I, I, I don't see them changing that at all because they're very successful. So I, I, I don't think they have a need to look at it. You know, so I think well, it's always. I think that's going to well, be that price. Darren's coming to this, I guess, from the perspective of the the home annual license, which exists in the US and Canada. Yes, which seems very, very reasonable to me. Totally reasonable. Three licenses for what is it? Is it 90? 99, is 99 it? or something like that. It's, it's, it's reasonable for a year. You say $100 either you're saying, way. You're saying yeah. less than $10 a month, right? Yeah. Which is a lot less than what we have to pay because what, what we do here in the UK is we tend to wait until this month. Or well, actually yes. last month, actually, July, yes. because July is the month when they sort of generally dump the prices down so that you can get a deal during the Site Village events. And you'll you'll often get these deals where you can get Jaws or Fusion or whatever it is for the, basically you pay th- almost three years worth at once. I think that's what happened to me last year. I paid like three hundred pounds roughly, and that mm-hmm. gave me three years. So it became like a home annual license in a way. It was in just, advance. It was like a three year advance, it's like a yeah. minimum contract on your mobile. Yeah, yes. exactly. I paid it all up front, right? And now I, I was fine with that. I was okay to do that, and that's great. But not everyone can. Uh, and I think that's the point that, that Darren's making here. That's why I say it's a different issue because there's one thing about what you need and one thing about what we can afford. And there's an affordability issue still with JAWS. And I, I just think it's partly an issue because you know Freedom Scientific or Vespero is a worldwide company, right? It sells worldwide, but it uses yes. distributors in other countries. And it's the distributors that are the blockage to these deals. I don't know why. Why should it be that way? Sure, you can make it part of being a distributor that this is the price point you need to offer or the subscription you need to offer. Why has it got to be so difficult to, to start an at-home annual subscription in well, other countries? I, I don't know, but I think the answer is probably because it's a business that is selling into countries where they are dealing directly with business. So, you know, Vespero themselves don't have that worldwide presence. So the distributors get them access to businesses. Because obviously, if you're a business, you can't. You probably won't buy from abroad. You'll probably buy from a local distributor, and that's how it works. Now, whether that is necessary or not, I don't know, especially no, these days. That could be necessary, but as part of the deal of becoming a Freedom Scientific uh, distributor, then, sorry, these are the price structures that you yeah. need to have available. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, yeah, that's the deal. But, yeah. it's, it's so tricky. You know what? I, I think NVDA and Narrator, as it is now, uh, will cover most things. And But where Jules comes in for me is for those use cases where really no other screen reader can touch it, such as mathematics or any other sort of specific business or employment use case. Jules is you know ahead of the game on that, and rightfully so. Uh, they, they charge for that. But I get by with NVDA and Narrator in everything that I need to do. But there are cases where you do need Freedom Scientific, where you do need jewels, I should say. But with respect to you specifically, right, you haven't worked in an office. Exactly right. And you haven't worked with JAWS in an office, right? So when you do that, and that was the case for me, so when I started it, when I started out using a screen reader, it was with JAWS. So when I come home and I'm sitting here going, okay, now I need to figure out NVDA. I've just had a day learning JAWS. I've just figured out JAWS. Very true. Never start all over again. I'd happily have just paid the money there and then to get JAWS at home. And that's the, could, yeah. for a lot of people that, because, you know, once you've got that muscle memory, why would you want to change Very true. something else? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's not just, I mean, yes, the, the, the employment thing is almost secondary because, look, for most people, not everyone, obviously, but for most people, you will get access to it through some government-based scheme. So you will probably be able to get access to JAWS. In some cases, it's just a given. In some places, you've got to apply for it. You know, there's different schemes, but essentially you would get access to that, which is fine. But when it comes to at home, we have to buy ourselves. And I feel the prices outside the US and Canada for just for, for what it is, it's a brilliant screen reader, but it's too much. It's just too much. And if yep. you don't, if you miss these deals over these months, um, which don't feel like deals, they just feel that they've brought the pricing in line <laughs> with everyone yes. else for just a very yeah. short period of time. It just feels very strange to me. It's interesting. Every time you start narrator up now, for the first time at least, I just set up someone's laptop out of the box, and when they when I turned told them to turn narrator on, the first thing you get is we've uh, changed some of the keyboard to match other screen readers. And what they're saying here is we've basically Mm. tried to bring it in line with Jules, right? So most screen readers will duplicate 
keyboard uh, commands or, yeah, like I say, I use tab and up and down arrows. <laughs> That's my screen reader power user <laughs> manual. So a lot of the time they are transferable between, but I totally get it, especially if you're just starting with a screen reader. You want that familiarity. I use Jaws at work. I want to use it at home because I know where I'm at. Uh, look, stick around. Up next, we're going to hear from Greg Hayes, who had an experience in a driverless car all alone. Well, with his guide dog, at least. Uh, more on that next on Double Tap. Call the Double Tappers now. one 803 4567 Or email us. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. Greg Hayes is with us. Uh, Greg Hayes uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. Hello. Well, hello. How are you? And yes, I actually do like the show. There you go. See, he said it. <laughs> well done, you. A Greg who likes us. I like it. Um, <laughs> Well, listen, Greg, first off, thanks so, so much for coming on to Double Tap. Um, as I've been teeing up today, we're getting you on to talk all about um, driverless cars. And it's a subject which we've talked about quite a bit on the show for quite a period of time. Uh, but none of us, well, I have had one experience, and I, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it the most exciting driverless car experience. I got in a car, uh, a Tes- I think it was a Tesla, and it managed to park itself with me inside it. Um, That's cool. That was it, really. Uh, yeah. And it danced for me, which was kind of weird. Uh, but other than that, that was my experience of a driverless car. Of course, car this in was a, a feverish park. dream that he had. No, this was. <laughs> I, I have video evidence of this. If I, if I ever can find that video again, I'll, I'll play some audio from it. Because the, the demo thing was just bizarre. It kind of did this whole thing with the gull wings go up at the side yeah. and it started as if it was flying. And then it was lights were going and doors were slamming shut. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, if that was my car, I'd be irritated by the fact that the car doors were continually being slammed shut. Wear and tear. Yeah. Exactly. This is going to go against my warranty at some point. <laughs> but, uh, Greg, you've had a much better experience. And, and maybe we um, maybe we start off by explaining a bit about this. Now, I've been reading a lot about what Waymo have been up to, in particular in Phoenix. And we were talking about it actually just, just a week or so ago. I was mentioning Phoenix and I was mentioning Waymo. And funnily enough, your name, because you live there, it did come to mind, but I didn't really put two and two together to kind of come up with the idea of, hey, maybe Greg's had a shot in this. Um, but you have. You've uh, you've been trying out driverless cars in Phoenix, Arizona. I like saying that. It's true. No, I um, Phoenix is a test site for Waymo. Um, they call it the Waymo One Cars, which is uh, – and Waymo is a offshoot of, of Google or Alphabet – and uh, so for a few years, they've been doing a test in some of the suburbs of Phoenix. And then this year, they came into downtown Phoenix. And I work in downtown Phoenix. So I tried very desperately to get on the beta program, but they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> so, uh, But then they went public a couple of weeks ago. And so I had a ride. And it was great. So, right. right, okay, but what does that mean? I know Sean's desperate to jump in yeah. on this as well, yeah. right? Because we're all like, okay, what it's is driverless. this? So, I'm kind of intrigued by it. When you say went public, so what does that mean? So, pe- you can just turn up and go into one of these? Yeah, it's just like an Uber or a Lyft car. Uh-huh. Um, you put an app on your phone and you, you know, put your credit card in. but uh, And then you ask it to come and pick you up. It knows where you are by GPS. Uh, and this car just shows up where you are and you, you jump in and you go. And it's crazy because the, you know, it doesn't, there's no driver there. So I did this from, uh, the Phoenix public library and it was fun. Um, I went in, I thought it was going to take a long time for it to come. So I went into the library, got myself all comfortable and I, I got into the app and did this. And then it's like, okay, it'll be there in five minutes. So I jumped out. And uh, went to the front of the library, and a couple minutes later, a car came up right to the curb, right in front of the front door, and there were some people around that were very excited. Um, but and they were like, they saw that I was blind. I had my guide dog with me. I'm like, are you looking for a Waymo car? I'm like, yes. It's like right, it's right in front of you, and I could have gotten it to beep at me or something in the app, but. I didn't need that because I had I had some people that were just as excited as I was. You had a crowd. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> 
we can actually hear that. We, we got the audio of that uh, arriving. And I, I, can I just ask before we listen to that, though, Greg, you said it, it stopped right in front of the main entrance to the public library. Yes. Does it actually stop, you know, does it use your phone to stop in front of you or does it just stop in a general area? I think it uses the phone and finds you. Um, I don't know. I've only done this once now. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. But yeah, I believe it's looking at the GPS and trying to get as close to you uh, as possible. Oh, that is cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's, let's let's hear that experience. Uh, this is you recording uh, that very experience in Phoenix. Uh, let's let's hear how it went. So I have ordered my Wemo car. It's supposed to be here in a minute. How do you get in? I think you're supposed to have a code on your phone that you put. All right, let's door. see. It. Oh, there you, there you go. go. Have fun. Down yeah. a little bit to your right. To your... There, there you go. You go. <laughs> this is crazy. So the trouble I had getting in was I didn't see the button on the app to say that to unlock the car. Um, apparently, I was supposed to have pressed a got it button when I heard that the car was here and then I was supposed to press the unlock button. When I pressed the unlock button, the door handle jutted out so that I could open it. Until then, the door handle was recessed. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah, now, the, it the app itself, totally accessible, I'm guessing? Absolutely perfectly accessible there's even a place in there if you need you know for accessible stuff so i was able to go in there and say i want the car to talk to me as much as possible whereas a sighted person might doesn't oh, might not care great. so it ended up giving me uh telling me where i was so what can you ask it to say where are you going on your holidays? Um, you, know. <laughs> you you only get to say, you know, basically turn on verbosity. You know, do you want it to be verbose or not? And if you don't, you know, I, I don't think it gives you turn by turn directions. But in this case, it was telling me and um, that I'm about you're about to turn onto Central Avenue. You've got eight minutes before you get to your destination, whatever it is. Uh, or you could just let make it shut up. It's one or the other. And I'm intrigued by the experience inside the car, right? And we're going to hear a little bit of this as well. Um, but, you know, what's what I mean, you, you mentioned the voices talking to you. Is it quite a calming experience? It's not like, you know, you've got uh, eloquence, you know, telling you you're turn by turn, right? It's, it's actually a... Oh, please, no. <laughs> as much as I it's might enjoy eloquence. that. <laughs> it, is, it is a natural language voice. No, yeah, it, it is pretty calming. You sit in, it's just like getting into a cab or an Uber. Uh, you sit in the back seat. And you heard the door unlocking um, and it wouldn't, you know, unless I had pressed the button, it wouldn't have unlocked. So somebody else can't jump in the cab. Um, you get in the back. I happen to have my guide dog with me. Um, and then it, after it's, after you've buckled up and it takes off, but it's, it's very calm. It's very quiet because it's an electric car, right? So if you've mm. ever been into an, an electric car, you know, they don't make a whole lot of noise. Um, and it was great. And then the, the the voice is just talking to you and telling you what what's going on around you. Very yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting you say the experience coming, you know, with the car coming up to you, it can beep at you and things. Because of course, like you say, that car turned up in front of you, you didn't even know it was there. So you you do need them to obviously make some kind of noise uh, to let you know that it's there. And that the fact that it can do that is good. And I imagine that this is all part of the the testing process and there were lots of data being gathered on this and feedback as well. Is there any sense that you're getting that at the moment that they're asking you for feedback on the journey? And yes, yes, right. they are, they, they are asking for feedback. Um, and I think they're, uh, you know, electronically excited that I'm a blind guy, um, mm. cause they're, they're looking for people, you know, with different experiences. Um, so again, I'm just doing it in the app. I wasn't talking to a person, but they, they want to know what, what's going on and how they can improve. And it's uh, it's quite nice. And as I said, the, the test program has been going on for a few years. So originally, they used to have drivers in the car with you, you know, just in case. Um, but nowadays, there's nobody. So it was me, my guide dog, and nobody, uh, which Amazing. was a very strange. It, it felt very weird because I've I've never been able to drive. I've never been in a car without mm -hmm. another person. 
Exactly. That's, that's the best bit, right? Sarah, my partner, Greg, has, has asked me specifically to ask you this question, and that was, could you get in the front? Because she would like to get in and pretend she's driving because she's basically a child. <laughs> take, a, take a steering wheel with her. <laughs> yes. No. Sorry, Sarah. The answer is no, and oh, that really? would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only the back doors that unlock. The the only only the back doors unlock. But yeah, it would be fun. Roll down the window and hold your cane exactly. out. Right? <laughs> but at least you didn't get anyone saying that. You know, Wemo wasn't saying that they're allergic to your guide dog. There was no uh, exactly refusals right. there. There was no refusal of my guide dog. That's it right. Sniffed a, That's it right. sniffed a guide dog and just the car just drove away. That, that would yes, be uh, exactly. rather unfortunate. But that but that's. I mean, this is again coming back to this thing about driverless cars and why I think that for a lot of us, of course, we think about the independence and the travel and the capability. You know, I often think about all the wonderful things I could do with a car. And then I think the reality is I'll just go to McDonald's at, you know, three o'clock in the morning because I can. And of course, then I think to myself, actually, I could just get the car to go itself to McDonald's and just bring it back to me. So really, it's kind of pointless. But yeah, the the thing is, actually, it's much more than that, isn't it? It's about that, that being alone. We know as blind people that getting into a car and traveling on, and it doesn't matter whether it's a car, any mode of transport we get into, we are surrounded by other people. It could be a driver in a taxi. It could be on a bus with passengers, on a train with passengers. So you're never alone. You never have that chance to sit there. And people love to talk to blind people. You know, people yes. just love to talk to us and tell us all the time about everything that's going on and, you know, what we're, what we're about to walk into and that we should watch where we're going and all that stuff. Um, and it's just uh, it, the freedom must be incredible just in that journey. It was great. And again, this was only a three or four minute, I mean, well, three mile drive. Mm. Um, So it wasn't the longest experience, but three miles is pretty decent. And yeah, there was this sense of calm and difference because I've just never experienced that, as I said. And it sounds like neither of you have either. And that's, you know, that's normal for a lot of us. There's always somebody talking. There's always, you you always have to be on your best behavior in some way, even when you're in the back of a cab. And uh it's nice. It was nice to have it. Uh, what are you saying? What are you doing in the back? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you suppressing? Uh, yeah. we won't, uh, I will say, that, can I just say though, in, in, in the taxis you get, in, in, I don't know if this is just in the UK, I imagine it isn't, but I know that here there are taxis where you have the screen between you and the driver. Mm-hmm. Um, in London, they're called the Black Hackney Cabs, you know, although I don't right. think any of them are black anymore because they're all different colours and adverts all over them and everything else. But, you know, they're essentially the, the old Hackney-style cabs. And you have this this sort of partition between you and the driver, and there's a button you can press which essentially cuts off the ability for the driver and you to have a conversation. It's like a privacy function. Yes, yes. And every time I get into one of those cars, I always say, is, is this the button for privacy? And mm-hmm. he says, yes, and I hit it. Um, yeah. And I think that's good. Now we don't have to speak well, for the rest of this Professional journey. broadcaster there. Doesn't like to talk. No, there, my, was no, no, there was no button my like that. For, no, for obvious reasons, there was no button. And actually, <laughs> when I got into the thing, I, I don't know if this was on the recording, well, um, but I actually reached up. I, I asked, is anybody in the car? Because I didn't believe it, and mm. uh, nobody answered, so I reached up from the back seat and I patted around on that where the driver would be <laughs> to make sure there was really nobody there. And that's when you hit the manual drive switch, <laughs> and you were in trouble. Yeah, it's a good point, though. What? What? Why would you? Apart from the cool factor of this, right, driverless car because it's all new. Why would you choose this over something like an Uber? If you had the choice, would you prefer this over? Yeah, I would actually in the car. I would for multiple reasons. One is I, I want the technology to expand, so I want to help them out and give them feedback. But also that the whole you know getting a couple minutes to myself uh, yeah, it was a I nice thing. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm. But you know, Sean, it's funny because I've listened to the prior episodes when the two of you were talking about this, and you're always saying. Not in my lifetime. It's mm-hmm. never going to happen in my lifetime. I think mm-hmm. the last time we mentioned it, I said at least 100 years. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you, come to Phoenix and <laughs> it'll happen <laughs> in your lifetime. You can go right now I, and do it. And that you can do it right now. And this just leads us, you know, it's going to expand right now. It's just downtown Phoenix and those couple suburbs that I talked about. I live in northern Phoenix, so it doesn't actually come to my house, unfortunately. But it's going to. And it's Google. So they're mapping out 
the streets, you know. Uh, so for a couple of years, people were watching these little Waymo cars driving around and doing extra mapping. And I think that's what it takes. That's the difference between what this is doing and like the Tesla that you were talking about, Stephen. Mm. The Tesla doesn't have all the good mapping information. So I, and so if you put it in some place that it doesn't know, it's not as reliable from what I can tell as, as the Wemo and the research I've done. Uh, but if they, if your city gets mapped, um, then I think it can. So, you know, maybe it'll come to Manchester or to Glasgow uh, next. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know that, I mean, for example, I know that in, in, not in Glasgow, but in Edinburgh in the UK, there is a, a, a fleet of driverless buses going around, but nobody on them apart from, you know, somebody pretending to drive it. And uh, I have applied for that job, by the way, thinking I'll just I'll be the guy pretending to drive. <laughs> That'll freak him out. Yeah, <laughs> sitting there with the glasses on and White the guide stick. dog. I'll put, put the guide dog in the driver's seat. Now that would be good. Um, but yeah, people you would know, believe it. <laughs> uh, just be, all I would be is an inspiration, though. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the thing is that you know it, it does feel like we are moving forward. I, I think, as we've said before on the show. And I need to rehash this, but we've said it umpteen times. A lot of this is down to regulation, and, and you know, and it seems that in America they are very keen to bring this forward, which is totally understandable. In the UK, there's a there is a real drive to make this happen sooner. Well done. Uh, thank you, and um, I think it will. I, 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 you know, trials I don't think are starting to that degree here. But I don't imagine it'll be far off. And I think it's something like a lot of these organizations will be looking and companies will be looking at Waymo to see what they are doing. And the fact that you're now talking about public testing, that's very interesting because that does push things along. Yes, okay, granted, it's a very specific area and a very specific place, but, you know, well, they'll all be in specific places at some point, you know. Um, and it's probably unlikely that you're going to get a Waymo and go from Phoenix to New York, although you possibly could, but you probably wouldn't. Um, right. But it's going to be for those short journeys. I do want to ask you, and we'll play in the clip of the of the journey itself in a moment. But I just want to ask you one more thing: the, the you know, as, as much as we're all for this, and I know many drivers who are not, mm-hmm. and I know that there are a couple of blind people who have said to me over over time, I would never get in one of these things because I'm not going to hand my life over to, you know, a machine in this way. Did you have any fear about that? Have you had any fear? It doesn't sound like you do, but you know, have you? So the answer is no. Being blind, everybody, every time I get into a car, somebody is driving. I have to turn my life over to somebody else. It could be a cab driver that might have been drunk last night. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it could be anything. And so I actually felt safer in this than I might in another cab because, again, the stats say it's safer. And, you know, the the machines are able to compensate for things that people that might have, you know, uh, a bad, be in a bad mood, be in a bad medical way, be in some other way, might not be able to uh, take care of as quickly and as accurately and get a, get a, get a car out of uh, a dangerous situation. Well, having once been on a bus where the driver had a heart episode whilst the, the bus thankfully was coming to a stop. But the, the the investigation later said that the bus rolled about 10, 15 feet by itself before it actually stopped itself by hitting the bus stop. Hmm. Um, that does freak you out a little bit. You know, the fact that, yeah, I mean, it, it, humans are humans and we put our life, I mean, you get into a cab and you, as I have, I'm sure we all have had this experience. You get into a cab and there's some guy behind the wheel wheezing away and you think at any given moment this guy's life is just going to end and then so will mine. Um, well, keep it cheering, yes. Um, but, but it's a consideration, right? I mean, come on. Well, you're absolutely right. As blind people, we do, you know, we, what are we, we gonna do, do trust. We put a lot of trust in other people, right, in other situations. There have been accidents with Waymo, and the, but the bulk of them have been other caused by the other person you know the third, yes. third it's not uh, and people are actually out there yeah testing these things they see this driverless car and so they go Crunch and they break in front of it on purpose <laughs> oh wow oh, <laughs> because smart they, yeah yeah because they, you know they, they want to test the technology so uh, i again i just felt safer uh in this than i than i would jumping into a into an uber right let's let's hear your experience inside the car this is what people really want to hear I've just pressed start ride. I'm in the car. Hello from Waymo. As 
this experience may feel futuristic, but the need to buckle up. Please buckle your seatbelt. We care about your safety. If you're having trouble, rider support will call soon. Okay, so I finally got Please buckled buckle up. Buckle your seatbelt. We care about your safety. This is very exciting. There is Please nobody in the car. If you're having trouble, and rider support I'm will call soon. A small sedan, probably the size of like a Prius or something like that. There is nobody in the car with me, right? Nobody up there. Uh, I'm in the back seat. Waiting for intersection to clear. And it just took a right turn. Proceeding on North Central Avenue. And as you can hear, it's driving and telling me everything about the ride. And my phone is telling me I've got eight minutes till I get dropped off. Just me and my guide dog in the car. We're driving on local streets in downtown Phoenix. And it's just doing, as far as I can tell, everything right. There is an ability to make on, on the app. I could make it pull over. Um, there is the ability to call um, for and talk to a person. There's emergency help needs, and now it's going to turn, uh, I'm guessing, left onto the street that uh, my office is on. Proceeding on West Encanto Boulevard. And that's correct. So the Almost there. Waymo pulled right up to the front entrance of the library. For your safety, now the I'm... doors will remain locked when we arrive. Pull the handle twice to exit. The first pull unlocks. The second opens the door. Okay, you heard that. It's gonna They're going to stay locked until I uh, open it, and it gave me directions on how to open the car. Finding a spot to pull over. Okay, so my guess is it's going to drop me off on the roadside. So it didn't pull into the parking lot. But you're here. Please make sure it's clear before exiting. Okay. So as I said, I, it dropped me off right outside the on, on the curbside. Now I was told to pull the door twice to unlock, and it did it. And I'm getting out. We've arrived at your destination. Please exit the car and contact rider support for Okay, I've closed the door, I'm on the curb, and I think we're done. Wow. <laughs> it's the future. Oh, I am. I want to move to Phoenix, Arizona. Can you help me with that, Greg? Says. Yeah, <laughs> come on over. Everyone says that. <laughs> oh, that's Greg's. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll put you up. No, and it was great, and it just took off. You know, a couple seconds later, I heard it locking up, and it, it just left me. You know, there's something in there. That, I mean, obviously the verbosity is, you know, actually really useful. And it's yes. not too much. It's not overwhelming either. That was the thing I was wondering about. But what I love is that, you know, for example, it was obviously sitting waiting to go at one point, and you might be thinking something's wrong, and mm -hmm. it tells you waiting for intersection to clear. That can be that's just that little piece of information can be massively beneficial. Yes. Because then you know we're always sitting there thinking. What's happening? What's going on? What's going on? What's yes. wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's incredible. Really, really brilliant. Now, I, I love hearing what I'm, what, what it's doing. Um, when I'm, when I'm in a cab, I'm oftentimes turning on one of the, one of our apps, you know, so it will tell me where I am. And so in this case, it was, it was doing it for me. Greg, I really, I've got to thank you so much for recording that for us because I think that is really going to inspire a lot of people to to check these kind of things out when it comes along. Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight everywhere, but it is something that's clearly coming. Um, hundred years, hundred years. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting happening because now, Sean. Exactly. <laughs> no, but, no. You know, I mean, we had CES, right? We've just had CES, yes. and you know, everyone's all excited about that. And of course, driverless cars is a big thing there, but. It always just feels very much like a conversation about the future, what's coming. This is actually here. And um, I, I, we're going we're gonna to try and get Waymo on the show. I think it'd be really good to hear from them. And, and I know that I, I read an article recently um, about the fact, you know, that they're bringing in these accessibility features, which is brilliant. And clearly they are talking to 
organisations. I, I know, for example, I, I know they've spoken to a couple of organisations. I don't. I want to. So I won't say names in case it's. For, I was. To, I was told this privately, so I don't know if it's public information. But I know they are talking to blindness organisations, and that is really good news. And um, I, I just think it's all so exciting. The future is here, Sean. It's here. it's not hundred years away. It's hundred years away. Yeah, maybe yet, next uh, year. No, it's quite cool. This this service. Yes, I will give you that. He's, he's so excited. He just can't, he can't <laughs> gonna, bear to see it. No, yeah. yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen in cities first, of course. I'm not sure it's gonna yeah. get to rural areas in in our lifetime, but uh, hundred years. Yeah, okay. Listen, I I, I dreamed <laughs> of the day I would get anything above two megabit broadband. Uh-huh. And you know, now I'm getting a gig and I'm like, wow. So no, it does seem like, you know, as, as you said, Greg, we've moved on from the trials now, which seem to be going for years and years. And rightfully so, right? These, these things need to be safe. Um, and, and to see you use this now in real life, absolutely amazing. And it just shows how how far the technology has come. So, yeah, absolutely amazing. Can't wait until I can buy one. Well, well, well that's, that's the thing, though, right? You're not going we'll to buy to. one. No, you're never going yeah. to buy one because you're going to end up renting this, this is as how a it's service. Gonna be. And joking aside, this is why I'm saying the 100 years, because about the legislation and until – the only thing I worry about is human drivers. If mm-hmm. every car was self-driving, yeah. fantastic. It's the human drivers I, I have an issue with. That's what I'd be worried about, someone actually you know, hitting me. So I think until – these this is the way it's going to be no one's going to own a car you're just going to open up an app and boom it's going to be right in front of you this is the future but until they're you know global international i think that is going to take a while but and and let's be honest there's there's one other ingredient in this and that's 5g once 5g is fully operational and working the way it should and i feel at the moment it's not even in close to the moment that is really where the power lies because really it needs that 5g network in order to function in order to, I mean, okay, on a maybe on Waymo it's a bit different because it's got mapped streets and everything. But I think for for the the rest of the world for this to be adopted, I think you have to have that five G connectivity because it's not just about where the car's going; it's where it is with other cars, and that will allow these vehicles to multiply very quickly. So yeah, this the very Tesla exciting. model would count on that absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Greg, it's been great having you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Come back soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. And that is it for another episode of Double Tap. Thank you so much for listening. As always, keep your feedback coming. It is so important to us. Join the discussion. Interesting uh, discussion earlier about the whole subject of betas and whether or not the public should be given access so early. Interesting conversation, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Okay, so here is how you can do it. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. That's our email address. You could attach a voice note to that as well. Just record it on your smartphone. No hassle at all. Just like Michael said to us the other day, he just used his iPhone 12 and great sound off it. Look at Gavin the other day with the Apple Watch SE recording a full feature for us, and it sounded brilliant. So just record us a voice note, attach it to the email, feedback at doubletaponair.com, or you can call one 803 4567 and leave us a voicemail. We're back tomorrow with more of your feedback. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.